Welcome to the Smith and Steward podcast. I'm Mrs. Smith, but you can call me Ellie, and my mission is to strengthen fellow homemakers as we faithfully steward our homes and the souls inside them. Here, we'll seek inspiration for everyday moments and answers to your questions about all things homemaking, including interior decorating, gardening, cooking and baking, tidying up, and much more. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. Let's get started. Hey there, homemakers. I'm excited to be talking with y'all about books today. Now, I have been a book lover for a really long time. I grew up reading. I loved to read. I was reading all the time. The only time I ever got in trouble in elementary school was because I was reading during class when I should have been paying attention. Um, But like many of you potentially, I actually kind of stopped my reading habit. Um, I think I got burned out on it in school, both in um, all of the different assignments in high school and then higher education that I think would have been the reason for that. I, I don't know if there's another excuse. I hate that I fell off of the wagon of reading and I kind of stopped, um, but I've wanted to get back into it for so long. And over the past couple of years, I actually have thankfully been reigniting that Um, passion and that habit and beginning to really read again. Now, maybe you're like me and you love books and um, you read a lot or you want to read a lot. And if so, I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. We're going to talk about why your house needs a library. And when I say library, I should clarify because sure, I think most of us who are bibliophiles are dreaming of Bell's library and Beauty and the Beast and just having one of our own that's really grand. It's a room all to itself with books floor to ceiling, wall to wall. How wonderful and beautiful and cozy and just inspiring that would be. But that's really not the reality for most people nowadays. I live in a little three bedroom house. It's not very many square feet. I don't have space to dedicate an entire room just to books. And in reality, I would like my books to be living with me all over my house. So that's more what I'm talking about is not a library that is its own building or its own room, but just merely a collection of physical books. And yes, I do advocate for physical books, um, even though I do utilize audiobooks and digital versions um, regularly, actually. But that's what I am here to kind of recommend to y'all is if you don't have one or know that you want one already, um, I really want to encourage you as a homemaker and someone who is creating the atmosphere and the culture in your home to emphasize reading, literature, books, and really a lot of practical reasons for that and methods for that as well we're going to get into. And speaking of people who are not alive anymore, um, there's a quote that I really love talking about, just the idea of education and literature. Um, and it's I, I found it in a book I was reading called How to Form a Library by H.B. Wheatley. But he quoted uh, Thomas Carlyle, who said, the true university of these days is a collection of books. And I think that's just a really succinct way to emphasize how educational books are. It's also pretty relevant, I think, um, you know, depending where you are on the political aisle, um, 
really, I think no matter which side of the political aisle, we can all agree that um, the education system of our modern day is is pretty broken. It has a lot of problems. And so it's important that we as parents, and yes, I say that as someone who's not a parent, but who dreams of being one and, and plans to make this important, but as parents, the importance of making education part of our parenting to our children. We are not tasked with merely allowing the educational system or the teacher or whoever else to educate our child. That's part of what we are also supposed to be doing at home. Now, this brings us to another point that I wanted to really dive into, um, thinking about books as being beneficial. And that is something that was completely inspired by an episode of Bright Hearth. Um, I will link it in the show notes below. Y'all know that's one of my favorite podcasts. Um, So it's no surprise that I'm referencing them yet again, but um, they have a whole episode called On the Multiplication of Books. And one of the main things that they addressed was this idea of books as an inheritance. And that's what I want to kind of really explore next is that idea that you know, it's kind of twofold where books can be a physical inheritance that are left behind that um, lasts for um, decades and even centuries, depending how well they're cared for and how quality they are um, to be able to leave that legacy physically as a physical inheritance. But perhaps more importantly, there is the intellectual inheritance, a well-curated library um, if, if you have that, um, even if it's developing as your children are growing, you don't have to have this perfect library. That's not what I am um, trying to uh, discourage y'all by making you think that that is the expectation from the day that you have a, a baby be born. Um, it's absolutely something that can grow with you and grow with your family over a lifetime. But the benefit that your child will be able to have growing up in a home that not only loves books, but has books around that they can read that are beneficial to them, that nurture their understanding of what is good and um, develop their character really is one of the best inheritances that you could ever leave to your children. I think being able to grow up in a house that loves to read is something that can teach a child to love, not only to read, but to learn. And a love of learning when I was growing up is one of the things that I remember being kind of hammered into me as a really good thing. I heard it over and over, you should be a lifelong learner. And it makes me feel I don't want to say proud, but grateful perhaps um, that that was something that was emphasized to me when today I look back and I'm not an excellent learner. I don't like spend every second of my free time um, studying or like reading biographies or anything, although biographies are great. Um, But I have noticed that there are things when I'm not in school anymore, I still want to learn and I seek out and try to find. And I'm grateful for that ability to know how to learn things and to desire to learn things um, because it really is something that has benefited me just like it was promised that it would. So being able to bestow that love of learning on our children is a blessing to them for their entire life. I think another thing that 
is kind of taught in tandem with that is this idea that you don't want to only be a lifelong learner. You want your education and your intellect and your learning and your reading and all of it to be for something. Um, we are not training up our children or giving, you know, having self-discipline within ourselves um, merely for the sake of saying, I learned all of these things. We should go forth and use those things that we have learned. We should do things. We should um, be the type of citizen in our physical community and in God's kingdom that goes forth and uses that knowledge to help others. Um, and I think that that's something that children can be taught by by reading stories as well. So all of that kind of summarized, it is good to have books and a love of books and of reading and of learning in your home. It's so beneficial. But I think where we need to go from there is the type of books that we have. And yes, we have to start somewhere. You're not going to teach a child how to read um, with you know, a textbook from a college course that would be way above their level. But um, we do want to aspire for good books. And the reason for that is that um, just like we kind of were talking about the benefit of books is that they have an impact on us and on our children that we're, um, you know, leaving that inheritance to. I think sometimes we forget that it does matter what kinds of books and other media too. It could be music or movies or TV shows or, or podcasts, you know, they all do have an impact and shape how we think about things and, and what types of, um, what types of things we think about. So we should be wise and intentional with that. And that's what I want to encourage us in next is not only, yes, have books, teach a love of reading and of learning, but then I want to encourage for us to read good books. That's another thing that was mentioned in that Bright Hearth episode, um, that I, alluded to earlier is the idea of being a book snob and that it should be our goal to be a book snob. And I love the way this was phrased because, you know, you think of snob and, and it's a very um, elitist thing. You you kind of put your nose in the air and think of yourself as better than everyone else. And that is not at all what um, they were talking about or what I'm talking about here. Um, but instead it's cultivating your notion of what is beautiful and what is just and what is good and what is true through good quality literature and then going forth and using that understanding for the benefit of others, just like we just talked about with the love of learning. And what stinks about this and kind of makes it hard sometimes um, as a reader is that those types of books are not always easy to read. Um, it's kind of like eating your vegetables where, you know, I could go read a Nancy Drew book or maybe a graphic novel um, and those would be fun. And, and I think that some of those are even good quality. And I like to have some of those things on my bookshelf, but they're not going to be as beneficial on um, cultivating my character as some type of book that might be a little more dry a little less interesting and, and kind of requires me to push through in order to finish it. So I would love to just talk for a minute about 
how to kind of grow that um, taste and, and um, shape our palate in a way that we do want to read those good books um, and not just, you know, a, a cheap romance novel or something like that. So I actually have four specific tips that I want to share on how to kind of actually do this. If you are wanting to adjust your taste in books and kind of shape and develop that into something that is a quote unquote book snob, like I just said, um, these are four things. They're not the only things. They might not be the best things. I am still new at doing this myself, but they're four things that I have noticed and I am striving for in my own reading life um, that hopefully will be helpful to you in um, just developing that habit and refining your taste in those books. So the first one is that you should start small. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, it could be physically small, like you're reading shorter books, short stories perhaps, um, but it could also be you're going to read something that is a little easier or more enjoyable to you in order that you can, before trying to dive into the vegetables, you can actually get a taste for having a habit of, of reading. So, and the best way that I personally have found to do that is to start with books that are really enjoyable. I actually started with a book that I had already read, I think multiple times. That's one of my favorite books. And I read it so quickly and I spent so much time reading it and it really helped kickstart that habit development. So that was great. The second tip that I have is really closely intertwined. You might be able to argue and say these are really three tips and not four, but I'm splitting it up anyways. Um, but it's just to create a culture in your home of reading regularly. And the biggest reason for this, if you're a parent, is if you expect your children to read, they will follow your example. They will read if you read. They will see you reading and they will see that it is enjoyable and good and they'll do it as well. But if you don't read and you drill it into them that they should, they're going to see your example and they're not going to want to read as much. So it does happen that you create a culture in your home of reading regularly by yourself reading regularly. But there are also other ways that you can do that, which is why I kind of pulled this out as a separate tip. Some of those ways are having books be available throughout your house. I kind of alluded to this earlier when we were talking about what does a library mean? Is it a physical one room space, one building space? Um, and I do think it's important to instead have your books be all throughout your home. It is way more likely for you to follow through on a habit if you make it, um, if the barrier to entry for, and I don't know if that's the right verbiage for that, but um, it, if that is way lower. So you make it easy for you to start and do the thing. Um, you know, if you want to do the habit of playing your guitar more often, then you'll put your guitar right there where you can see it and just pick it up and play. And that's all you have to do is just see it, pick it up and you can play instead of having it be in a case in your closet that you have to go and find it and move stuff to get it out and then take it out and make sure that you have it tuned and all of that. Um, and the same can be said for anything, but what we're talking about here with books, if you leave a book on your nightstand, how much more likely are you to read it when you go to bed than if it is sitting all the way upstairs in a different room? You also can 
intentionally create time that is dedicated for reading. This is something I have heard Sally Clarkson in particular talk about when she has discussed um, how she was able to create a culture of reading in her home and her children's lives. Is she, so we've got two so far, you start small, you start easy, you make it fun. Um, and then you also create a culture in your home of reading regularly. You set time aside for it, you make it uh, physically accessible. Uh, maybe you go to the library regularly, something like that. The third tip that I have is to surround yourself with other readers and in particular good readers. This is especially if you're trying to um, increase the the number of good books that you're reading. If you are friends with someone who just likes to read romance novels that have a lot of smut that you don't really want to read, that's not going to be someone that you are going to get great book recommendations from, I guess, is just the most obvious way to say that. Um, follow people on social media that have your same values and taste in books and see what they're reading. Uh, there are so many, you know, book talk accounts, and, and I say book talk, but I'm on Instagram exclusively, but y'all kind of know what I mean when I say that, hopefully. But I think that it's also perhaps more important to have people that are, um, you know, in your personal life that you're actually friends with face to face that you can talk with about what you're reading. Maybe you can do a book club together. This is actually the way that my personal reading habit has developed so much over the past year is that I have joined a book club with some friends. We just pick one book every month and we get together once a month and it alternates who gets to choose it. And I have read things I never would have picked before and I have enjoyed most of them very thoroughly. But beyond that, I also have, you know, the accountability of someone that's, you know, um, setting a date of when we're going to talk about something and going to be there to discuss it. So I, I really have more motivation to finish that book by a certain time, which is fantastic. Um, but really just, just being friends with book lovers is going to help you find good books and enjoy them by conversing about them. I think it's really important to to give ourselves time to do that. Um, even if we don't have someone to talk about it with, which usually you can find someone online to talk about just about anything with, but even if you just have time to yourself, um, I do wanna just <laughs> mention this, that I think it's important to meditate on what you have read, especially if it's, a nonfiction book or um, something that you are wanting to kind of shape your character. If you read something quickly and then immediately begin another book, you're not going to have the time to digest what you just read. Um, and I want to encourage y'all in that briefly to, um, to actually take the time to digest what you read, especially if you're wanting it to really impact you. All right, so my last tip of the four, we talked about making it easy and creating the culture and surrounding yourself with other readers. The last tip that I have is to track your success, not just your TBR. For those of you who don't know, TBR stands for to be read. It's the list that you make of all the books that you want to read at some point. Um, there are apps like Goodreads and all kinds of different things that you can have a 
TBR, you might have a physical list or a note on your phone or something, but most readers have a TBR list, which is great. I think it's really important to have that rolling list that you can add something to um, and kind of reference back to see what you want to read next. That's very, very valuable. But personally, I have had times where my TBR has daunted me. I've looked at it and I've been like, how am I going to read all of these? And how am I going to read them as quickly as I want to read them too? So I think that it's important to instead focus your tracking on what you have read instead of just what you want to read. Again, still keep that TBR. It's really beneficial. But when you're looking at your reading goals and you're looking at the kinds of books that you want to read, look at what you have done well, especially as you are continuing to develop that habit and grow that taste. Look back and see what you have read in the past year. Um, I last year had the goal of reading 12 books, which was a lot more than I read the year before. And I thought I can do one book a month. That's not too daunting. Um, I feel like I can achieve that. And I didn't. I did not read 12 books in 2022. I just didn't. I think I maybe read nine or 10. Um, but I read more than I would have otherwise. I read good books. Um, and I have a list of exactly what I read. And it was so cool to look at that at the end of the year and think, I have these 10 books that I actually read this year. This year, I did 12 books again. I didn't meet that goal last year. So I'm doing it again this year. I want to read 12 books in 2023. And I have not read a book every single month, but it's June right now. And I, well, as I'm recording this, I know it comes out in July, but it's June right now. And I have read seven books, not six. So I feel like I'm ahead and I'm feeling really good. And um, it just boosts my confidence and, and makes me feel like I'm ready to read harder things and um, just keep moving forward with that goal. So that is the last tip that I have that I want to encourage y'all in. Just continually developing not only your habit for reading more often again um, or for the first time, but to read good books. Um, because if you aren't practiced in reading in general, it's going to be really hard to read the vegetable books. So, and what is beneficial for our character development and all of that. Um, but what does that actually look like? And that's a very fair question because you might be sitting there thinking, okay, well, I've read plenty or like tried to read plenty of boring, dry books, but were they boring and dry and I should have read them anyways because they're a vegetable that's good for me? Or were they boring and dry and they would have been a waste of my time and who cares because they're not all that great quality of book? Um, and that's a very rare question. Uh, I definitely don't want anyone to feel like they've wasted their time. If you feel like you've wasted your time reading something, then you probably have. If someone else read the exact same thing and they felt like it was boring and dry, but they felt like it was a vegetable and it was good for them, they would have gotten something out of it. But if you 
don't think you've gotten anything out of it, you probably haven't gotten anything out of it, which is fine if that's how you are with that one. Um, and it might be that there are different books for different people, but I think it would be helpful to just walk through maybe some ways that we can help identify what some of those books are at least, um, because there's so many books in the world and I want to go and find the ones that are enjoyable to read and good for me and going to develop my character and things like that. So one tip for this is you can look to a specific person who is well-read that you admire their character and you see that they are someone you want to be like and you can ask them what they read and you can read those types of books. There are plenty of historical figures who had bibliographies of what was in their library, whether they donated it to someone after their death or something like that. Um, you can see what books shaped those people and you can read those books. You can think about what topics interest you that you don't know a lot about. And maybe you can read some of those about um, specific eras in history or specific aspects of science that you don't know a lot about. And you can read those types of books. You can simply, and this one is a little bit more risky because you wanna know who is actually putting the list together and what their values are. Um, but you can just Google, books everyone should read before they die and you can find lists of excellent literature that really should be read i will say that you know yes you should be cautious about those and, and about recommendations that come from people that you don't want to emulate um but it's also important to read things from perspectives that are contrary to our own uh, so perhaps there is a um, I think the best example here would be a historical figure who perhaps committed atrocities or um, just failed in grandeur in uh, helping their nation or, or whatever the case may be. Um, their values don't align with your own. Their methods are not one that you would ever think to emulate, but it is still important to read a lot of those. Um, we can learn from the bad just as much as we can learn from the good. And I think it's really important when we're talking about education specifically um, to carefully and wisely expose our children and ourselves to ideas that they should be able to understand because they exist in the real world. Um, and I don't know if I'm phrasing this entirely well, but basically I'm trying to encourage each of you to not simply form a library of homogenous views, but to seek a diverse worldview with an emphasis on the one that you want to emulate. So the majority of what you consume should be edifying in the way that you want to live and the character that you want to have but it is very important to also have exposure to understanding the opposite end of the spectrum and um, learn from other perspectives. I think that that helps with empathy that we talked about a little earlier in the episode, but I think it also helps against just guardedness and understanding of how the world works as well. So the last thing that I will say on this subject is that 
when thinking of the types of books that you should read, keep in mind that there are going to be so many, and I cannot emphasize that enough, there are going to be hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of good books that you will never read in your entire life because you don't have the time. And that's okay. I don't want this episode to simply encourage you to spend 24 hours a day reading. Um, That is not what life is about. (laughs) That is not beneficial. Um, I think it's great to read often and to read regularly and to read a lot, but it's not of any benefit if it's all that we do. Life is not about consuming as much knowledge as we possibly can. It is about doing something. I think it's about glorifying God. I think that's our purpose as mankind. And he would not be glorified if we just sat there reading about him even all the time. That's a great thing to read about. I think you should read about God. I think that that's one of the most important things you can read about. I advocate that everyone reads the Bible all the way through every year if you can. I'm trying to start doing that now. I'm about one and a half years in and it's fantastic and also a lot less difficult than you would think it is too. But that would not bring God glory if that was all that I did. He has called me to good works. He has called me to go forth and use his wisdom to better the lives of those around me. He has called me to share the gospel with them. So yes, read more, but don't let it be all that you do. Go forth and and do more as well. So um, yeah, that's where I think I want to leave y'all today. I could totally get into the idea of displaying your books beautifully or the idea of having a community surrounded with books. You know, there's there's a lot I could go into with public libraries versus private and all of that that I have been learning a lot about. But I think I will leave it there um, and just let us ponder on those things that we have talked about of the importance of books in general, the importance of good quality books, second, and then ways that we can increase our habit of reading more often and increase our palate for good books um, and what those are. So I hope that this has been an entertaining and beneficial episode for you. If you have any book recommendations for me that you think should be on my must-read-in-a-lifetime list, please let me know. I'm definitely looking for those books myself right now, so I would love to hear your recommendations. I would also just love to learn what you're reading um, just for fun. Right now I'm reading a book called Graceling that I read in like middle school and my friend gave me the third book in the series and I didn't remember what happened. So I'm rereading that. Um, It's totally just a fun fluff book. Um, I love fantasy novels. So that's what I'm reading right now. And then I hope to get back into the Lord of the Rings series with my sister later this year. Um, starting again with The Two Towers. So that's what I'm reading, and I would love to hear what you're reading. Now it is time for Stuart Sparkers, the part of the show where I share recipes, books, influencers, products, whatever it is that has sparked inspiration for me as a homemaker this week. 
This week's Steward Sparker is something that I'm really excited to share with y'all. Even though I don't actually have any myself, I'm really thinking about ordering one of these. Um, they are bookmarks from a brand called Page Petal. And basically they make these acrylic see-through bookmarks, which you know is really helpful when you're trying to read what's on the page. And if your bookmark is huge, then you have to like go set it aside somewhere. So it's it's a lot nicer and more um, utilitarian to use in that sense, but they have flowers in the center of them in between. It's kind of like laminated almost. I don't know exactly how they make it, but that's how it appears to me. And um, the flowers that they use are real flowers and they are inspired by different book characters. So you can go and look for your absolute favorite book character from your favorite book and see what specific flowers are inspired by that character and, and arranged in this specific way in this bookmark. And you can get a bookmark for your favorite character. And I just think it's such a creative idea. They're really cute. I, I definitely encourage each of y'all to go and actually look at them. Um, I'll link their Instagram, but they are handmade flower pressed bookmarks. So um, go check them out and let me know what you think. And let me know if you order any, cause I, you know, not that I'm getting any kickback. This is not sponsored at all. I don't think they even know who I am, but I would be so curious what character you would be getting. So if you do, just let me know. I'm, I'm kind of curious as to that, um, what kind of your, your favorite characters are from your favorite books. So, okay. And before we go, I know we're, we, we went through the Stuart Sparker and normally you would hear my little outro here, but I wanted to just thank y'all for listening because this is actually the finale episode of season two of Smith and Stewart. And I'm just really honored that I get to do this podcast. Um, and that any of you listen, I, I really can't believe it looking back at, at the numbers and stuff. Um, just that there are actually people on the other side of this microphone and the headphones that are listening to what I have to say. So I just want to thank you. Um, I've really enjoyed getting to know you over on Instagram and getting to chat with you there. I've enjoyed getting to spend time with you here as you're listening. Um, and I'm really looking forward to season three. I have a lot of special plans in the works. Um, I don't think I'm going to tease what the subject matter of this season is, but there will be a common thread and our first episode will be all about that introducing it. So keep your eyes peeled on our Instagram. Um, the first episode will be coming out around mid-August. So I will see y'all then. Have a great summer and go do some summer reading. And with that, friends, it's time to close today's episode. Thank you for joining me for this chapter of the Smith & Stewart podcast. If you enjoy this show, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, which has the largest listener base, or on your favorite podcatcher app. If there was a resource we discussed today that you'd like to learn more about, check out the show notes in the details section of this episode. And until next time, keep up with us by following us on Instagram at Smith & Stewart. See you soon. Oh,